Greetings in the name of the Triune God. Welcome to the Rural Midwestern Pastor Podcast. My name is David Johnson, and I am blessed to pastor the rural congregation known as Samanach Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us as we explore together how the scriptures declare the good news that God's kingdom has come to us in Jesus. If you'd like more information on our rural congregation, please visit samanachbaptistchurch.org. That's S-O-M-O-N-A-U-K, baptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening. May grace, peace, and everything good be yours in King Jesus. Hi there. Welcome to the online gathering for Samanach Baptist Church for Sunday, May 15th, 2022. My name is David Johnson. I'm blessed to serve as the pastor here at Samanach Baptist Church. If you're watching this online before 10 a.m. on Sunday, this posts live at 9 a.m., um, and you're looking for something for breakfast and you're kind of ready to go and you're dressed at least, we'd love to welcome you. This Sunday, the 15th, if you're watching this later, don't come over for breakfast. But on the 15th at 9.30, we're going to start eating brunch together and we're having a modified service together around tables. That happens today, Sunday, um, starting at 9.30. So if you're thinking, okay, I'm watching this live, maybe I could go hang out in person. Would love to welcome you to that in-person brunch church is what we're calling that. This online gathering is going to be called to worship here in a few moments by a reading from Psalm 148. A couple of announcements. This coming Saturday, May 21st at 8 a.m., we are having our next men's breakfast. Men, join us for a great breakfast and even better conversation. We're going to do something a little bit different for men's breakfast this uh, time. We're going to have it at a local restaurant. We're going to meet at Star 34 in Sandwich. It's just opened up again after a long shutdown. We want to support that local business. So 8 a.m. on Saturday, May 21st, men's breakfast at Star 34. Come to have breakfast together, to be out in the community together, and to enjoy each other's company. Next Sunday, a week from today, May 22nd, at 11 a.m., mark this down, 11 a.m., we will worship with our Nazarene brothers and sisters at Sandwich Church the Nazarene. I'm going to be out of town. One of the things that has come out of Matthew and I's relationship uh, continuing to grow together is we trust each other um, to lead each other's congregations in worship. Um, So when he's out of town, the Nazarenes come over here. When I'm out of town, um, we go over there. They meet at 11. They're at 205 West College Street in Sandwich. Please, Baptist family, join the Nazarene brothers and sisters for church on Sunday 22nd at 11. No midday Bible study this week. On Wednesday at 6 p.m. this coming week, we are meeting at Sandwich Church the Nazarene for table talk, which again is a time for soup, sandwiches, and conversation. Psalm 148 calls us to worship with these words. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. 
He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps. Fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He raises up a horn for his people. Praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is God's word. Let us pray. King Jesus, your servant Paul tells us that in you all things hold together. And in this psalm, we think of all the different aspects of creation that you are bringing together that ultimately one day you will hold together. The child will one day play by the pit of the cobra. The lion and the lamb will dwell together. Heaven and earth will be joined together in eternal peaceful unity. That is our hope, King Jesus. And would you give us, in whatever situation we find ourselves this morning, a foretaste of that hope. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so to perfectly know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. And together we say, Amen. A reading from the book of Revelation this morning comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 8. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See! The home is our translation. It could be the dwelling or the tabernacle even. The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. And also he said, write, the, write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. 
Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is second death. This is God's word. Let us pray. King Jesus, we long for you to come quickly and make all things new. Our world is filled with tears, with death, with mourning, with crying, with pain. Come and make all things new. Speak to your people this morning, giving them hope that things will never be so foregone that those things cannot be made new. Continue the process of making us new and give us hope that one day you will make all things new. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God remains forever. So now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each heart be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, you are our redeemer, and all of us said together, amen. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. In a certain way, I wholeheartedly agree with this sentiment. When it comes to knowing what the scriptures teach us to believe regarding the timing of the second coming, We know that Jesus himself teaches us not to set dates. And all of us said together, amen. When it comes to knowing what the scriptures teach us to believe regarding the relationship of Jesus' second coming to what is known as the millennium, there is debate. When it comes to knowing what the scriptures teach us to believe regarding the relationship of Jesus' second coming, to what is known as the rapture and the tribulation. There is debate. So when the phrase with which I began this message says, I may not know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. When it comes to questions like the millennium, the rapture, the tribulation, I don't know what the future holds in that regard. I don't know exactly what the scriptures teach us to trust about those matters. That's why I've chosen to word that phrase when it comes to knowing what the scriptures teach us to believe. When it comes to knowing what the scriptures teach us to believe. Here's why I think that's important. Our creeds, our confessions of faith, don't start with we know. Our creeds, our confessions of faith, start with phrases like we believe, we trust, or we confess the faith that is, etc. Beloved, may I remind you again, we are not saved by grace through knowledge, certainty, or knowing beyond the shadow of a doubt. We are saved by grace through faith. And faith, in the biblical sense of the word, does not equal knowledge. So, I may not know what the future holds, but I, and can I change it? Trust, 
who holds the future. So there's certain things that are debatable, millennium questions, rapture questions, tribulation questions, but there are some things, and this is where I start to disagree with this sentiment, we can know some things about what the scriptures teach us to believe about the second coming. First, Jesus will return in a body all the way to earth. Jesus will return in a body all the way to earth. Acts 1 verse 11 says, angels are speaking to Jesus' friends, and they say, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So at the ascension, a Sunday we'll celebrate here in a few weeks, Jesus in a body was on earth, and he ascended to heaven. The angels say, the same angels that proclaim to Mary his resurrection, say he's going to have the reverse happen one day. We can know the scriptures teach us to believe that Jesus will return in a body all the way to earth. Secondly, we can know the scriptures teach us to believe Jesus will do for all what God did for him. One text that has some debatable topics around it says this, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15 and 16. For this, Paul writes, we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the, archang with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven, and then there's this phrase that we're going to talk about a little bit more, and the dead in Christ will rise first. But that tells us that when he comes, he comes, King Jesus, to bring the dead back to life, which leads us to the third thing we can know the scriptures teach us to believe, and that is this. Jesus will judge all whom he has raised so that all things can be made new. Jesus will judge all whom he has raised so that all things can be made new. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 21, hear the word of the Lord. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, will become like he. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. These are words of judgment. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So three things we can know. There is no debate within the Christian community about these three things at least. Rapture, millennium, tribulation, there's all kinds of inter-family debates about those things, but we all agree on this, and these are the things we can know the scriptures teach us to believe. Jesus will return in a body all the way to earth. Jesus will do for all what God did for him, raise us back to life. Jesus will judge all whom he has raised so that all things can be made new. Now, the umbrella over those three things is God's gracious promise and power. God's desire to make a new heaven and a new earth. 
That's why Jesus is going to return. The one who came from heaven to earth and went from earth back to heaven one day is going to bring heaven and earth together. The second coming is about heaven and earth coming together and all parties being made new. And this is the glorious vision that transitions us in our reading from Revelation to the climax of the vision that was given by Jesus to John on the island of Patmos. What's more, this is the glorious vision of a world where everything has been removed that stands in the way of flourishing. Revelation 21 verses 1 to 8 describes newness filling the emptiness. The first element of this newness is found in verses 1 to 3, and this is the newness of the heavens and the earth made new. The personal, eternal, and unmediated presence of God. Let me say this again. The personal, eternal, and unmediated presence of God. A couple things from the end of chapter 20 that we need to keep in mind before chapter 21 can make sense. Look at verse 11 of chapter 20. Then I saw a really important phrase in the Revelation, a great white throne and the one who sat on it, the earth and the heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. This is the last battle in the words of C.S. Lewis, and he has won. And it's as if these evil spirits that had in, that had inhabited heaven and earth have seen their conqueror and they have fled in the words of verse 1 in chapter 21. They have passed away. No place these spirits that held earth and the heavens captive. Now there's no place for them. And then the vision goes on to say he sees the dead, great and small, all of the human race, being raised back to life so that they can witness what God in Jesus is going to do. And then as things are made new, step number one, newness number one, the personal, eternal, and unmediated presence of God, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. Those of you that like to go on vacation to the ocean, let me give you some hope here. He is not saying the new creation is not going to have any beaches or any sea or any ocean. The sea in the scriptural worldview is the place where monsters and evil and chaos come from. Since those monsters and that evil and that chaos have been judged and removed... That space is now no longer needed, but I think in the new heavens and the new earth, there will be beaches. And all of us said together, amen. And I saw verse two, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them. Beloved, this glorious apocalyptic vision is found everywhere in scripture. Ephesians 1 verses 9 and 10 say, he has made known to us, Paul writes the apostles, the mystery of his will, 
according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven and things in earth. There's things in heaven, things in earth. God is gathering them all together in his son, Jesus. The prophets, I think one of John's favorite Old Testament prophets as he writes this vision down is the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 61 verse 10 promised, Jerusalem will one day be able to say, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exalt in my God. Jerusalem is personified here. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Another text, Isaiah 52, one and two. Jerusalem is charged by the messengers of God. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For the uncircumcised and the unclean, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, these people who've oppressed Jerusalem shall enter you no more. Shake yourself from the dust. Rise up. O captive Jerusalem, loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter Zion. Jerusalem is this precursor to when God makes everything new, it's going to be about Jerusalem becoming this, this all-expansive place that can be compared to a bride coming to be joined to her husband. And that image of Jerusalem, the bride being brought together with her God is an image of what God wants to do in bringing heaven and earth together, which is why N.T. Wright says in his brilliant book, Surprised by Hope, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. That after all is what the Lord's prayer is all about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? On earth as it is in heaven. The newness that gets John excited to give hope to these seven churches and to us is the personal, eternal, and unmediated presence of God. One address is now all that is needed. In scripture, in certain ways, heaven is God's address and earth is humanity's address. On the final day, there will only be one address. When Linda and I were married, my address was 15800 Calvary Road in Kansas City, Missouri. At that time, her address was 435 North Gage in Salmonock, Illinois. Did you know that after we got married, we didn't keep those same addresses? We had one address. My address was no longer 15800 Calvary Road. Her address was now no longer 435 North Gage. We now had one new address, 15710 Elmwood Avenue. Heaven is now, before the second coming, mediated on earth by means of the Holy Spirit. Under the old covenant, 
Heaven was mediated on earth through the temple and divine image bearers. There were still pieces of heaven on earth in the temple, in the tabernacle, through image bearers, sometimes the spirit on a prophet or on a king, but it was mediated under the new covenant. The gathered people of God, the individual believer, and all divine image bearers, all of them mediate God's presence. Even still under the new covenant at this stage, heaven is God's address and earth is humankind's address. In the end, those two dwellings will become one. And with the prophet, we exclaim, God's home will one day be with mortals. Well, what's God going to do when God comes home? The first newness that John describes for us is the personal, eternal, and unmediated presence of God. Now, the second newness John gloriously describes for us is the personal, eternal, and unqualified absence of sorrow. Verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne of the Lamb said, See, I'm making all things new. Also he said this to John, For these words, write these words, for these words are trustworthy and true. Again, John is given this vision and he says, I'm seeing the same thing in Isaiah 25, starting in verse 7. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. He will, and this is what Jesus did on Good Friday for you and me, beloved, he will swallow up death forever. As Jesus gasped on the cross and, on the cross and breathed his last, he swallowed death, taking it away from us forever. Then, the Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. John also sees in this notion of God himself wiping tears off the faces of his children. An image from Isaiah 35 verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Beloved, I may not know what the future holds, but this text invites us to trust the one who holds the future. What does the future hold according to the one we trust to hold the future? What does Christ ask us to believe, to trust? What is our hope? The blessed hope is the return of Jesus Christ to earth. And when he does on that day, he will defeat death. And when he does on that day, he will make all things new. And when he does on that day, he will give us new bodies. Beloved, this means our bodies matter. This means they are good. They will be redeemed one day and made new. We are not souls in bodies. We are whole persons, intermingled souls and bodies. Beloved, what has happened to your body and my body, good, bad, those things matter. 
And one day all of those things will be healed. Beloved, when he gives us those new bodies, those new bodies will have what John calls no first things. Those first things are death, mourning, and pain. And those things will have nothing to do with our bodies. And these are the things that the Christian gospel says to you and to me, we can know the scriptures teach us to believe these things. Beloved, I commend them to us as good news. Amen. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Let us pray. King Jesus, we now pray together in the words that you taught us that will one day finally be answered in all their fullness. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for joining me for this online gathering. May grace and peace and everything good be yours in King Jesus.